My sons asked me, oh, mom, are you going to try making that again? I said, there's no way. <laughs> Why? Because it took me 90 minutes to make a pizza crust after I got home from work. Uh, and I said, that is never happening again, which it never did. But I'll find it for you. And I looked everywhere and I couldn't find it. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to fill that void. I'm tired of waiting for the industry to do something. And so I left my job and I started calling out. This is LA is Good For You, a podcast about founders and funders who are building LA's most interesting companies. We are your hosts, Susan Kevin. On this week's episode, we'll introduce you to Gail Becker, founder of Cauliflower, the company that introduced the idea of pre-made cauliflower pizza crusts and is now sold at over 10,000 grocery stores nationwide. Kevin, you actually met Gail before she founded Cauliflower. What was your impression of her? So in a past life, I worked in public relations, and Gail was a very senior executive at a company called Edelman, which is one of the biggest PR firms in the world. And, you know, my impression of her was that she always had amazing hair, and she'd walk into a meeting and say something that was just perfect and on point and was always very impressive. I think the biggest difference between her now and, and her then is uh, the smile is a little bit bigger, and she seems a little bit more relaxed. But she still has perfect hair. Amazing hair. Did you try any of those pizzas? You know, I did. It's great when you're on a crazy diet, say in the summer, which I am now, as I think most Angelinos are. Um, it's great because it feels like you're getting something that's a little bit indulgent, that, but it's actually really good for you and the macros are fantastic. Did you try it? Yeah, I had the pepperoni one. It was really, really tasty. That sounds fantastic. I'll have to dive into that later. And right now, let's dive into the story. I grew up in Orange County. Uh, I, I like to say I was a Democrat there before it was cool. <laughs> uh, it was um, uh, in Seal Beach specifically, which uh, is the first city if you're heading south in Orange County. It was a very, it was a wonderful place to grow up. You know, it was very, um, very clean and very, um, the schools were really good. And I was grateful to my family for living there. But um it was hard because there was a lot, everybody was the same. There was a lot of uh, sameness, um, a lot of homogeneous, you know, way of thinking. And um, it was hard to, like, be different. And I always felt like I was a little different, like I didn't really belong there. Um, but it was a wonderful place to grow up. So you ended up uh, moving to, to D.C. and you worked as a journalist mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. And then you went and joined the Clinton-Gore campaign. I did. And eventually you were at HHS. Yes, yes, yes. Um, all things that I never thought I would do. So why did you choose that path? Uh, well, I'd always well, I started out as a journalist, and that was really what I wanted to do my whole life. Uh, and I had done that for many years. I'd done it in local news in Texas, and then I had moved to Washington and covered Capitol Hill and the White House and the Pentagon, and it was wonderful. I loved that time. But after a while, um, it was hard because um, you get tired of being objective. And you ask a lot of questions and you read a lot of things. So you start to form opinions. And I just thought, you know, I think I'd actually would rather um, try that end of it. So I went into politics and um, that was an amazing experience. I worked for the first Clinton Gore campaign and um, and then ended up taking a job at the administration. What was your daily life like when you were on the Clinton Gore campaign? Probably, it's an interesting question because it was probably most mimic the life I have now. 
uh, which I could sum up in one word, complete or two words, complete chaos. Like every day was different. No two days were the same. Wake up really early, go to bed very late, usually end up in a different city and just meet the inter- the most interesting people. But the way in which with the way in which it was probably the most similar in the sense that I was working for something I really believed in. And there's very few times in life when you get to work for something or someone that you really believe in, no matter what it is. And there's probably nothing more rewarding in life than getting the chance to to really do what you love and, and do what matters to you. Absolutely. So so you chose, um, after spending some time mm-hmm. uh, with the Clinton-Gore campaign and then working for Health and Human Services, mm-hmm. uh, you moved here to Los Angeles mm-hmm. and you worked for Warner Brothers and then you were at Edelman. Mm-hmm. Um what can you give us a sense of, you know, one, why you made that choice to move to Los Angeles mm-hmm. and go in-house? Uh, and then while you were at Edelman, what kind of work were you doing? So I came back to Los Angeles really for personal reasons. My um, then boyfriend, future husband um, basically, you know, said, um, are you going to come back? And it's funny because I loved my job in Washington so much that when I left, I remember saying to my news director, I'm going to be back. And he said, okay, you come back, you can have your job back. Well, of course, I never did go back. Um, so I ended up staying here. And um, and since I was going to be here, I realized I needed to find a job. And so Warner Brothers was looking for someone who, to launch the DVD format, which was uh, nobody really knew what it was at that point. And um, and so they were looking for someone with political background, as it happened. And so a couple interviews later, I got the job and I was there for a while. And it was it was great. And Edelman um, was was something similar. I wanted to try working in corporate America. Edelman was fantastic in the sense that um, it gave me such a great purview into a bunch of different companies doing trying to tackle different challenges and and trying to launch different products and and um and achieve different objectives so it was a great great learning ground for you know what i'm doing now so what can you give me can you give me a sense of um you know, kind of what your responsibilities were at Edelman, like what were you, what were you doing on, on a day-to-day basis? What were some of the challenges that you yeah. faced? Well, um, I started running the LA office and then I, I moved on to the Western region and then um, oversaw Canada, Latin America, and then I left doing strategic partnerships. And the strategic partnerships part was really interesting because, you know, basically what I did is I talked to a lot of startups. Um, and when I talked to these uh, these startups, um, you know, trying to figure out who was going to be the best for us to go into some kind of partnership or business or, or uh, joint venture with, I remember thinking, wow, I kind of like the other side of the table. Like, I wouldn't mind sitting on that startup side. I thought it was, there was something really enticing about it to me. And there were some people who really liked to work for the big global brands. And that's great. But never really enticed me as much as working for the the startups. But you never join a startup. Never. No. Was there a reason behind it? You... Um, yeah, I had one uh I had turned down a couple, which if I told you the names, you would 
nobody would ever speak to me again because they weren't it's not what they weren't very smart to turn down let's just say that <laughs> one of them is a very large company today um but you know I was a mom of two young kids um who were in school and I couldn't really I just couldn't take that kind of risk um and so I didn't and you know one of them like I said was a bit of a regret but um but you know life has a way of working itself out So how did you come up with this idea for Coley Power? I I really really want to know how this came about because it's not something that you you know you you, you know you would think about a, over a cup of coffee and I'm just going to make <laughs> so going to make cauliflower based pizza bases yeah. and I'm going to launch a company based on that. Yeah. Well, I'll be really honest with you. I didn't come up with it. The um, the, the online community did. And the online community came up with it because the industry wasn't giving them what they wanted. And basically the 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 what happened was I'm the mom of two boys with celiac. They were diagnosed at such a young age that there was no gluten-free food in the store. If they needed a birthday cake, I'd have to make it, including the frosting, and um, or and order things for online. Um, and so it gave me a really good perch from which to watch the gluten-free industry evolve. And what I began to notice over the years was how much junk they put in gluten-free food. More fat, sugar, salt, and calories, and less nutrients. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to just wait for the industry to do something about it. And what I began to realize is the industry wasn't going to do anything about it. So I looked online and I stumbled upon cauliflower crust pizzas. I didn't invent it. If you Google it, there are 590,000 recipes. So I just picked one and um, I made it and it was fine. It wasn't great. It was fine. It was kind of misshapen and all of this, but it was fine. And a couple weeks later, my sons asked me, oh, mom, are you going to try making that again? I said, There's no way. Why? Because it took me 90 minutes to make a pizza crust after I got home from work. Uh, and I said, that is never happening again, which it never did. But I'll find it for you. And I looked everywhere and I couldn't find it. And it was right around the time that my father had passed away. And when he passed away, I was looking for something more meaningful in my life, something that I could make more of an impact and really sort of change things hopefully in some small way for the better and so um I put those two things together and I thought you know what I'm going to fill that void I'm tired of waiting for the industry to do something and so I left my job and I started calling power how did your family and friends react when you left your well cushy job <laughs> at Edelman come on one of the top PR women in the world and now Building your own business. Um, you know what? It was really interesting because um, so I left in May of 2016, but I didn't start, but I didn't launch Collie Power until February of 2017. And I made the decision that I wasn't going to tell anybody what I was doing. My close family and friends knew, but really nobody else. So people who knew me for the industry or at Edelman or just colleagues or friends or what have you they didn't really know what I was doing. So it sort of made it even more mysterious and more, you know, questionable. Like, are you sure you're doing the right thing? Uh, and, um, you know, my, 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 the, those who did know, my family, my husband, my kids, they were all incredibly supportive. Uh, and I probably, if they weren't, I probably wouldn't be here. I don't know that I would have been able to continue as, as long as this journey has taken. 
So talk us through it. How, how did this come about? You, you've made that pizza. I made it once. Flower crust, once. <laughs> Only once. Only once. <laughs> and it was not particularly great. As you no. say, it was misshaped. Yeah. And um, messy. Did you did you work on the recipe yourself? Did you work with other people? I, you know, the, here's the great thing, and I hope you know this is all hopefully to help other startups. So I'm just sharing this. You know, the great thing about uh, this country. <clears throat> is that you can find people to help you with just about anything. So I hired people who knew a lot more about the food industry than I did, especially given that I knew nothing. Uh, and um, and they and I hired them to help guide me. And so, you know, we started, we looked for a co-manufacturer. This was never a product I made in my kitchen. This is something I wanted to, if I was really going to make a societal impact, I knew it had to be on a larger scale. So I, this, um, I hired a consultant to help me find a co-manufacturer, found the co-manufacturer, worked there for about eight months developing what the final formula was, and um, and then took it from there. Did you do any product testing? Oh, lots, 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 lots and lots. Yeah, no, it was between seven and eight months just full of testing until we got it right. What was the feedback like? People who tried, tried your product? Um, you know, the really... Um, <clears throat> there was the feedback of the people that, you know, I wor was working with, and that was really important to me. But the most important feedback was really my kids because, A, I knew they'd be honest with me, and, B, I also knew that um, if it passed their taste buds, it was going to be a success. And they loved it, and so I thought this could be something. So were you self-funded, or did you raise any funding? Uh, my So when my father passed away, so my, my father was an immigrant to this country. He came here with nothing. He built a small—he was an entrepreneur. He built a small business. And um, he left me a little bit of money, not enough to retire on an island somewhere, but enough where I could make a difference and take a risk, which is something I'd never been able to do before. So um, I put every last dime uh, into Collie Power. Um, and I did that for two reasons. One, I felt like um, it was blessed money, right? And two... I felt like there was really no greater way to honor him than to take the money that he had earned and try and start my own business, which is actually something I know that he had always wanted me to do. So it just seemed like absolutely the right thing to do. Um, and but then, and then la that lasted me till about September of uh, last year, and then I took on um, outside investment. Who did you work with? Um, did you choose your investors yourself or did you, the people approach you? Uh, you know, you can have people. Uh, I used um, Circle Up and they helped connect me with a bunch of different investors, particularly in the food space. You know, so like a lot of different venture capitalists um, until I, you know, it's a really interesting process uh, having never been through it before. Uh, you know, it's a it's it's a bit like dating. You know, you 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 meet them, they meet you. Do you like them? Do they like you? Could you see yourself working together? Could you see yourself living happily ever after together? Um, and um, at the end of the day, I think the right thing happens. In my case, super lucky, the right match happened. I found a great um, you know VC partner, and hopefully, they feel the same way. So I feel really lucky. So with all the money in the bank, what were the, some of the challenges that you experienced during that entire process of developing the product and just, you know, coming onto the launch? 
Well, it was it was really scary. I mean, it's funny because now when I say, oh, I put every last dime into cauliflower, people, oh, that was really smart. But at the time, oh, that was really stupid. I mean, you know, that was a huge risk. And I was scared. I was petrified because I had I had risked everything. And um, on, on, on an industry that I knew nothing about, in a product that had never been introduced before, so I really had no idea if it was going to take off. Um, but it was almost like a calling, and it was really something I needed to do. So I can't underestimate. I can't underexplain how frightening it was. Um, but it should be. It should have been. Uh, and that, um, and it sort of makes now and people's reaction to it all the all the more wonderful. But. Um, uh, yeah, I just, once you start, you just can't look back. I mean, I definitely remember there was one day when, you know, it's a giant roller coaster, and there was one day when something really bad happened. Oh, it's just, it just I can't go into, de- uh, believe me, this would take up the whole podcast to, to go, go into <laughs> details. But it was just like something that was just not great, uh, just in terms of some of the structure. And, um... I thought, oh, it would be, this is right before we launched, and I thought it would be really easy for me to turn back now. Wouldn't have lost too much money. Certainly wouldn't have lost my reputation because no one really knew what I was doing anyway. Uh, And uh, I called four people in my life, and I said, here's what happened. I don't know if I can do this. And I really didn't. Like, I was literally at that fork in the road. And... um, uh, each one of them said, yes, you can do this. And so the next day I woke up and I did it. And I always sort of wonder, I wonder if any one of those four people in my life would have said, mm, maybe you can't do this, what would have happened. But, you know, it just shows the importance of having that support system there to sort of cheer you on when the going gets tough. And it does get tough just for everybody. There, There's no way this could be a smooth, uh, a, a smooth journey. So let's talk about the launch. When yeah. did you launch? You know, what was the first store you landed? And, oh you know, being a PR person, what did you do? <laughs> well, marketing was sort of the only thing I knew anything about along this, you know, crazy journey. So I, um, so that was the one area I felt a little good about um, or a little confident about. The rest, I had no idea. Um, we launched uh, in February of 2017, and we launched in two places. We launched in 30. 30 Whole Food Stores, uh, and we launched, oh, actually three places, 30 Whole Food Stores, Bristol Farms in L.A., uh, and um, and Amazon, and that was it. And the great thing about Amazon was even though the Whole Food Stores were on the West Coast and Bristol Farms was in L.A., because of Amazon, I could have a national launch. And so um, that was launch day, and the the what happened is that Whole Foods, those 30 Whole Foods stores, sold out in about two days. And they sold out, and the distributor sold out, and everybody was selling out. And within a week, we became the number one best-selling pizza on Amazon. It was like nothing anyone had ever seen, least of all me. Uh, And so the first couple months was really in just trying to fill the pipeline and trying to get it all into stores. And then what happened was in March, the biggest food show in the country, maybe even the world, is called Expo West. And it's like 80,000 of your closest 
friends in the food industry. And so we launched there. And, um, you know, all I had was like a table and a, a banner I had ordered off Zazzle and a little tablecloth that I picked up at Target and some fresh, a basket of fresh cauliflower and my product. And we were inundated. We were literally inundated by retailers all over the country who I think, you know, were not just taken with the product, but I think the story behind it as well. And they saw that there was a hole in the market and they saw what a, you know, tremendous ve uh, vegetable cauliflower was and said they wanted to be part. So it was, it's been all, all, uh, uh, downhill from there, like in terms of ease. Mm -hmm. How did people find out about um, your product, um, you know, at, at Whole Foods and Amazon? Mm -hmm. Was it promoted in any way? or was Yeah, it I mean, mouse? there were a lot. What what ended up happening is, you know, I, th I, I like to say, and maybe this is because of my own personal background, but Cauliflower is really what's known as an earned brand. You know, we didn't pay any money on advertising. We had, you know, some paid social, but not a lot at the time, particularly not a lot at the time. But this is really an earned brand. This is a brand that was earned because of the media attention that it received, because of the reviews it received, uh, and because of the fans who just wanted to share the word. It's the um, it's funny because, you know, there's very little in social today that is actually truly organic organic. But um, I have to say, as a, as a eyewitness to this, this was really uh, almost as organic as, as a, of a buzz campaign as anyone could get, because people just really couldn't stop talking about cauliflower. Thank God. Uh, it was really remarkable and incredibly um, touching. And I, 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 I am grateful to all those people every day of my life. So you distribute your products now across the U.S. We are in 10,000 stores across the country. We'll be in 15,000 in the fall. Uh, we're in every division of Albertson Safeway, every division of Kroger. We're in 1,000 Walmart stores today. We'll be in 3,000 in the fall. Uh, we're in five regions of Whole Foods and All Sprouts. Congratulations. That's, yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely incredible. It's kind of exciting. Yeah, it's, I know. It's, I, I still can't believe it. Even coming out of my mouth, I'm like, oh my God, is that really true? How big is your team now? Do you have an office? I do have an office. Uh, we're an LA-based company, so we have an office and it's, we just moved into new space and it's beautiful. We, everyone's really happy. We have about 25 people now and growing. Yep. Growing pretty rapidly. Uh, and, um, it's great. It's like, I, I, I can't, every day, every time when I, when I sort of leave the office, maybe to go grab lunch or to go to the restroom, I turn, I turn and look into the office as I'm closing the door. And every single time, I still can't believe it. I'm like, I can't believe all these people are here. I can't believe the office looks so beautiful as opposed to my like horrible looking home office, which is where I started the company. So it was, it's every day when I close that door is a real treat. So you started with one product line. Um, has that expanded since? It has what expanded. So we start, we launched with four, uh, four SKUs, uh, three top pieces and one crust. Um, we've since added to those. We now have added, um, so the, 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 the four that we started with were the plain crust, margarita, veggie, and three cheese. Uh, we just recently added um, all natural pepperoni, which is no nitrates, no preservatives. And we uh, added a, a paleo crust as well. 
So um, so right now we have six pizzas. We also added a baking mix um, la, uh, a couple months ago, and that's now getting into the stores and seems to be doing well. Um, and that was the first ever vegetable-based baking mix. Um, and then we have some other new products coming out later this year. Exciting. It is exciting, yes. Do you feel like any of the new diet trends have any impact on on your business? You've got your keto and you've got people fasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got people fasting 24 hours a day. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with all of that. I, I don't pretend to be in the industry long enough to 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 really know. But I can tell you the the sort of ethos behind Collie Power. And... What what my insight was in terms of developing this company was I remember very distinctly when the boys were little and it would be Saturday and their friends would come over for lunch and I'd want to make frozen pizzas. And my kids were really insistent, don't make everybody a gluten-free pizza. Just make the gluten-free pizzas for us and give everybody else the regular pizzas. Why? Because they were embarrassed. They were embarrassed that their pizzas looked different, tasted different, smelled different, uh, and they were embarrassed in front of their friends. And so my sort of takeaway from that was, wouldn't it be great if everybody could eat the same thing? And it's interesting because like, I started the company because of my boys who had celiac, but and the gluten-free community has responded very well. We're now the number one gluten-free pizza in America. But in no way do we market ourselves as a gluten-free pizza, or is that the only audience that buys us? People buy us for three reasons. One, they uh, want a better-for-you pizza. Just something that's healthier, better for you, less calories, less sugar, less salt. Two, they want a gluten-free pizza, and they want a gluten-free pizza that actually tastes good. Or three... They just want a great tasting pizza. So no matter what category you fall into, we can all share from the same plate again. And to me, as someone and I think who other parents and other people sort of struggle with like creating six different things for dinner because everybody's following some crazy diet or what have you. This is something that I think a lot of people can agree on and share. And that really warms my heart. Do you think you will ever expand beyond cauliflower let's say broccoli um you know what i i think we will do whatever our fans allow us to do i think that we have now built up enough trust with our with the people who have buy and follow and love cauliflower power that you know there that, that there may be some permission to to go elsewhere we're 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 sort of less about cauliflower and more about creating better for you options um, that are convenient. You know, um, I don't want people to spend ninety minutes making a pizza crust. I want you to spend as little time as possible making a pizza crust, feeling good about what you're serving your family, so that you can go and do something else, or serving yourself, or serving your spouse, or your dog, or whatever. Just you know, it's all about we love time as much as we love food. And I think both having healthy food and more time, there's no greater gift than that. You were talking about your new office. Uh-huh. Which neighborhood is it in? It's in Encino. Very nice. Yes. Um, we've got a lot of um, 
found startup founders who are coming on onto the podcast mm-hmm. and we always ask them the same question is like you know the new generation next generation of entrepreneurs who are starting out right now yeah. what kind of advice would you give them i would say you know i would say a couple things one you have to be prepared for the fact that no one is ever going to care as much as you do and in the beginning that used to frustrate me because i well why don't these people care as much as i do well they're not going to and they never will nor should they so it's a really important lesson that the sooner you come to terms with the better off you'll be i think you know the other thing is um timing is important if you think that you could have a first to market advantage then you should move quickly there's never it, it's kind of it's it's kind of like how i feel about like when you know when is the right time to have kids there's never the right time to have kids ever there's never the right time to start your business ever so you might as well just pick one and go um you cannot wait for that magic moment because it will never happen i mean for me it was this interesting confluence of events where my father passed away left me a little inspiration to try and do something and and an idea. And sometimes you have all three of those things and sometimes you may only have one of those things. But um timing cannot be underestimated. It's really vital in 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 any trajectory. And then the other thing I'd say is and people say this to me all the time, I'm only just now beginning to realize it. Having having talked about timing, it is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And so it's important to move as quickly as you can, believe yourself enough internal resources so that you can re-energize and be as excited as you are about the business five months from now as you are today, as maybe you are five years from now. Um, but I can tell you this, other than having kids, it is the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And I there's... I love nothing more than the thought of maybe helping other people along the way. So I I can't let you thank you very much for that. Yeah. That was amazing. I I can't let you go without asking you yeah. uh, for some additional advice for our listeners if you're open to sure, that. Sure, of course. Um obviously crafting a pitch is very important when mm-hmm. you're starting a business. Mm-hmm. You have to have conversations to raise money, conversations yeah. with customers, conversations with friends and family. I'm wondering given your background in PR mm-hmm. if you have any tips for our listeners on how to craft that pitch. Uh, I think you make it this I'll speak what I think works for work has worked for me, but also I've seen works for other brands and so I think you make it as personal as you can. When I started, you know, boy, I can't think of a bigger industry than the grocery industry or quite frankly, bigger companies that are in the frozen pizza aisle. I mean, I just didn't I didn't just start a like a food like I I went right for the frozen pizza, which is like the biggest, you know, multi-billion dollar multinational companies. And I was very aware of that and I was very cognizant of the fact like I tried to like maybe I should make myself look bigger. Right? Maybe I should be bigger and and you know, a bigger team and bigger, more experience and bigger in every sense of the word. And what I realized is that there's so many people in the industry who like to root for the little guy, who like the 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 David rather than the Goliath. And so I would encourage people who 
and that's just the food industry, but I'm sure it's, you know, it's similar in, in, in any industry. I would encourage people to really share their personal story. That is the one thing that is going to differentiate you from all the larger competitors who are in your space. And that's our show for this week. If you enjoyed it, make sure to subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, why not add a review to let us know what you think? You can also find us at laisgoodforyou.com. See you next week.